0: When I was 14 years old, it was the very first time that I took a stand. It was the very first time that the stand was my own. You see, we had this incredible traveling evangelist visit our church school and visit our church. And every morning he would come to our church school and he would preach to us. And every evening he would come to our church and he would preach to us there. And I had never heard a story like Frank's before in my life. It was radical. It was progressive, and it was an all-in obedience to God that I had never, ever heard preached from a pulpit. As a 14-year-old girl, my heart was set on fire for God. Oh, my heart was set on fire, and I was willing to tell absolutely anybody about how much Jesus loved them and how he had died on the cross for them. I was amazed as I watched it light a fire within my classmates' hearts as too. It was amazing to see the Holy Spirit just ripple through our school and our church and to see how powerful he truly was. I remember groups of us gathering at school and at church to pray. I remember us wanting to do good and wanting this to last for so long. We knew this, is, this isn't going to last forever, but we prayed that it would, that our hearts would stay on fire. There was no fear anymore. And there was no excuses anymore. Even our parents were shocked at the veracity of our faith. They were all more than happy to drive us to the church every evening. And you know, it's sometimes hard just to drive once a week. But to see their kids lit up and 100% on fire for Christ, I want to see that for here too. I want to see our kids lit up 100% for Christ. You see, Frank's testimony changed us. He was open, he was raw, and he was real. He did not share from a place of, I got it going on. He shared from a place of, I once rebelled against God. He never gave up on me. He found me, convicted me of my sin. I was humbled. I confessed and then I boldly stood and then I said yes in obedience to God. That was Frank's testimony. It was simple, but it was radical and new for our hearts. It shook us in the best way possible and we wanted to obey God. There's so many instances in the Bible um, where God's people are instructed to stand. I want to walk you through a few of those to ground us in scripture and to see how, when, and why God calls us to stand. First, let's turn in our Bibles. If you have your Bible with you, I encourage you to open it up because I got no slides this week. <laughs> and we, this week, we're going to be speaking right from the word. And we're going to be going to Exodus. Exodus 14. Exodus 14. And we're going to read the account there in verses 5 to 13, where it says, When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about the people and said, What have we done? You know this story, right? Yeah. We have released Israel from serving us. So he got his chariots ready and took his troops with him. He took 600 of the best chariots and all the rest of the chariots of Egypt with officers in each one. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the Israelites who were going out triumphantly. The Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots. Go back to that word triumphantly. These people were like, whoa, we got it. God has given us freedom. We are on our way out. But here's what comes next. The Egyptians. At Pharaoh's horses and chariots, his horsemen and his army chased after them and caught up with them as they camped by the sea of pei and the front of baal zephon As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up. And saw the Egyptians coming after them. Then the Israelites were terrified. And they cried out to the Lord for help. They said, Moses, it is because there are no graves in Egypt that you took us out here to die in the wilderness. What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Isn't this what we have told you in Egypt? Leave us alone so that we may serve the Egyptians It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. So many of us know the story, how God freed the nation of Israel from slavery of Egypt. And then Pharaoh finally let God's people go, and God instructed Moses to lead them towards the Red Sea. They're triumphant, they're excited to be free, but then they realize that this isn't the easy route. This was a way through the wilderness. This was the way that evil would pursue them. Death would pursue them. This way would be terrifying. This way would make the people beg to go back to slavery repeatedly. And yet one man, whom had been willing to stand on holy ground and hear God's heart for his people, led them. He led them on straight towards what seemed to be an insurmountable obstacle. Trust me, the people freaked out a little. Okay, a lot. But let's see what Moses said to them in verses 13 and 14. He said to them, but Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and see the Lord's salvation. He will provide for you today. For the Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You must be still. Do not be afraid. This is the key here. Here in Exodus, Moses instructs the people to not be afraid. And you probably know this information already, but did you know that there are 365 times in the Bible where God instructs his people to not be afraid? It's one day, one promise per day, per year. For the year, there we go. How many of you have read the book, Hind's Feet for High Places by Hannah Harnard? Anybody? It's an old one. It's an old one, but it is so good. It was written in 1955. And it is an allegory based on a Bible verse of Psalms 1833. It's an allegory about a girl, and her name is much afraid. That's her name. Her name is much afraid. She wears it like a cloak. She is afraid. And she has to go through the rockiest of terrain. Throughout her journey, she has only two friends. Her friends' names are sorrow and suffering. But throughout her journey, she learns utter reliance on God. Moses' next instruction to the people is to stand firm. This is encouragement. It's encouragement that even in the face of huge obstacles in that place of I don't want to persevere, to keep going, to be determined to do what God is asking. It's not easy. It's hard. But when Moses attaches a promise, a promise that we as Christians can still stand firm on today, and that is the promise that through the darkest times, though we may be accompanied by sorrow and suffering, still God will provide a way. Moses goes on to promise the people that although they see and fear the Egyptians that are pressing down on them, that God will deliver them from this evil force that is coming behind them. Sometimes I've heard the question, why do we read the Old Testament? What is in there for me? Can't we just read the New Testament? It's so much more meaningful when I read it. I tell you, ask God to open your heart and to plumb that rich, amazing depth of the Old Testament. Because when we look at the journey of the Israelite people, that journey is a journey of faith that is not uncommon to us today. In fact, the whole story beginning to end is an image of the journey made by every person who sets out to seek God. From slavery to freedom, It's not is it not the story of grace in every believer's journey? And here at the beginning of this journey, God says to his people through Moses, you see that big obstacle over there and the evil force is pushing towards it hard? Well, today, now, at this time, right now, in your life, this very second, I'm going to show you that I am faithful, that I will deliver you, that I will be glorified and seen. And what does he ask of them in this deliverance? He says again and again, here is what he tells them, I will fight for you. You must be still. Oh, that's hard. Let's turn in our Bibles to Deuteronomy. This is one I didn't. I'm gonna to have to look just like you. Deuteronomy one thirty. See, some of us struggle to look up Bible verses too. <laughs> it says right there. It says, The Lord your God who goes before you will fight for you, just as you saw him do in Egypt. And this is many years past God's victory at the Red Sea. In fact, even though the Israelite people have seen God with their very own eyes deliver them again and again and again, still they find themselves back in that same position at the Red Sea. They're afraid of what man may do for them, forgetting that God, the God that they serve, Again, Moses spoke to them. The Lord your God is going before you, as he did for you in Egypt, before your very eyes. God was and is bigger than the battles that we face. As we look back over our lives, we can clearly see where God has championed our battles for us. And we look forward, we can trust him to do it again. He will indeed do it again. In Joshua 7.10, God says to Joshua, again, more years in the future, he says to him, stand up. Why are you lying on the ground? And once again, forgotten that God will be with him in this battle that he faces. God will win the battle, this reminder to stand and to trust that he will second chronicles again says do not you do not have to fight this battle position yourself stand still and see the salvation of the lord he is with you <clears throat> do not be afraid or discouraged this is all th- <coughs> excuse me this is all throughout the bible Moving to the New Testament, Romans 5, 1-4 that Stephen read for us today. Therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have also obtained access through him by faith into this grace in which we stand. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God for not only that, but we also rejoice in our afflictions because we know that afflictions produce endurance. Endurance produces proven character, and proven character produces hope. (coughs) I want to share another part of my story with you. And this is a vulnerable part. I don't tell everybody this part of my story. And I don't want to tell you this story just to drudge up the past I tell you this because I made a promise long ago to God that the experiences that he showed me and used me through throughout my life, that I would use them to witness to others about how good and how powerful our God is. And number two, because I want you to see an incredible God we serve who is never content for you to live a half-baked life of loss, sorrow, suffering, or abuse. It had been five years for me it had been five years of hell and back. My husband had passed away. He had died, and I lived an overwhelming grief punctuated by two emotionally abusive relationships. I had made it through only on the grace of God. Through depending on his faithfulness and through learning to trust in God, It was literally a time where I was breathing in the fresh air of Jesus Christ. In fact, I was gulping it in because I hadn't experienced it in five years. I was emerging victorious. Victorious through the grace of God alone, through no strength of my own, through no five steps to a better life, not through anything but from a God who knew and saw me and was not content to leave me in a place of slavery to emotional bondage. I'd been in this place of battle, this place where the huge obstacle of loneliness lay before me. And the enemy pressing hard behind me was not the men that I had dated, not the cruelty they had visited upon my heart, but the enemy of all of our souls, hell bent on destruction, on our enemy, as we read in Ephesians 6, where it says, Our enemy is never flesh and blood, but authorities and powers and spiritual forces of darkness. My mind and heart felt broken and destroyed, and I would wander around my house with a cup of coffee in my hands and just pouring my heart out to God. And this one day, I just saw my kids' pictures. You know how you get school pictures and you put them all in a frame? I got five kids, so my frame's real big. This one day I saw this frame and I looked at it and out of nowhere came this thought, God has got to have a better plan than this. And yes, he did. In fact, right then and there started a journey much like the Israelites took a journey towards freedom in Christ with a huge obstacle before me and the enemy hot on my heels, and it didn't happen instantly. Sometimes we expect that that change in our hearts is just going to happen instantly. But just like the children of Israel, that change does not often happen instantly. It was not, I was not able to walk away immediately, but I stood I stood before my Lord and Savior, and I chose that I would follow God's plan for our lives, even though the lives that we were in the middle of looked nothing like that at that time. But it was making a decision that I'm going to stand. I know who God is. He's been faithful in my life before. I know that any chance I get, I can go back to him. I stand and make that decision for God to walk in that obedience. A stand that someday things would be better, God willing. And those were long months. (laughs) There was many tears and suffering, sometimes misunderstanding where God was leading and other times getting it right. And I bet your situations, your stories tell something similar. But slowly, slowly God's worked in my heart and he changed me. I'd get the kids up in the morning, I'd get them off to school. I'd come home and I'd open up God's word on my dining room table. I had so many questions for him. Oh, so many. And I would open up a notebook and I would write out all of those questions because, man, I felt hard done by. I had lots of questions for God. Why did my husband die? Why am I here alone? Why am I in this situation? And I would ask question after question after question of God. And then I would bow my head and I would pray and pray and pray. And God would give me Bible verses and he would give me scripture that would answer those questions. The answer to the questions we have about life are found in his word. Jesus helped me and he helped my heart to give my family a future and a hope. This is how I stood in obedience to God. You see, about a year after this, after his healing was evident in my life, my husband walked into a hotel lobby. And God opened his eyes to see God's work in my life. And how much God had healed me and was still at work in me. Do you know what he saw? He saw stillness. He saw a quiet heart. My husband is a godly man and an observer. But what I did not realize is that throughout the entire weekend that we were at the seminar, that um, he had been observing me throughout it. And finally, on the last day, he uncharacteristically walked right up to me and worked up enough courage to ask me this question. He said, how are you at peace? He knew a little bit of my story. How are you at peace? And I said to him, exactly what we have learned in this story from Exodus. Because that was one verse that God continued to bring to my mind. I have learned that God fights my battles. I only need to be still. I don't know if you face a battle today. But I believe that it's a human condition not uncommon to any of us. I do not know what battles you face today, but God does. He sees you and he knows you. I pray for deliverance for each and every one of you today. You see, God knows. And God is in the business of freeing you from all of that crap that you deal with on a daily basis. I invite you right now at the beginning of this new year just to bow your head with me. And invite Jesus into your story. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you that place where you are struggling, where the obstacle before you seems insurmountable, and the enemy is pressing in behind you. Dear Jesus, we invite you into our life and into our story. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to show us that place where it's hard, where we're struggling where the obstacle before us seems insurmountable. As we begin a new year, it may feel that there is a huge obstacle before you and the enemy is right there pressing hard behind you. So here is what we're going to do. I want you to take that problem, that area you are struggling, that place where the enemy is pushing you, harassing you, that area that Jesus and you are just talking about right now. I call your spirit to attention to look at this problem in a new way and to give it over to Jesus Christ. This is an invitation. It's an invitation to stand in obedience to God. And to agree with him to go to work on that area you struggle in. To accept God's authority over every area of your life and allow him to teach you how to walk out your faith in him on a daily basis. He loves you so, so much. He sees your heart and your situation and his heart breaks so for so many of you. He longs to see you set free, to know his goodness, to taste his sweetness of peace, and the rest of standing still in him. Right now, in the stillness of the room, in your heart, tell Jesus you're ready to be all in, that you're ready to obey him, to find a way to the other side of whatever pain that is that you struggle with. Any heartache, sorrow, or suffering, or fear Because God can. And he will do something big in your life when you allow him to. Even the psalmist writes, he lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. Psalms 42. I pray today that he will provide for you what you will never again see, the enemy hurtling towards you. I pray that God delivers you in the name of Jesus Christ. So when do we stand? We stand every day. When we feel healed and whole, we stand. When there are obstacles before us and the enemy is pushing behind us, we stand. And when we got it going on, especially when we're a hot mess, we stand. This is not a one-time stand. This is an everyday commitment to obey God and to stand firm on what his word says. How do we stand? We make a decision, a commitment to build our lives on God's word, to raise our families on God's words, to go to work every day with Jesus in our hearts, to parent from a place of submission to God. We stand on his grace, obtained through sacrifice and upon the cross. Why do we stand? We stand to testify. We testify to the goodness and the faithfulness, the glory of God. What can you testify to personally? What can your family testify to? Where has God been good, so good to your family? What has he brought you through? What has he championed in your life? His victory in your life in that area is mighty. It is a mighty weapon against the enemy. I invite you to physically stand as we end our service to stand and make that decision and commitment to obey him to raise your families for him to stand on his word to testify that yes you see him, his goodness his faithfulness let's bow our heads as we end today Lord we see you thank you, thank you so much that you are God who sees us and knows us and Lord, if we are struggling to see you in our circumstances, help us to surrender in obedience to you that we may see your glory. Lord Jesus, we have areas in our life that we want to praise you for. We want to praise you, Lord, that you have been there. You have been there through our, with our finances this last year. We're all still standing. Lord Jesus, I pray a blessing over our finances this next year. Maybe some people in this room are struggling with their finances, Lord, and I pray that you would bless their homes, that you would bless their families, that there would be enough, that there would be enough to bless others. Our Heavenly Father, I just lift up our schools to you, our kids that are going back to school so soon, our teachers that are going back to school, and there's so much emotion and feeling that we as parents have, and we as kids have. We're excited, but Sometimes we're a little reticent, Lord. And I just pray that you would be with our teachers, that you would be with our fear, that you would take that fear from us and that we would boldly stand before you. Lord Jesus, we come before you in our parenting. Some of us have kids that are grown and we have a lot of guilt about where they're at. Lord, they are yours before they are ever ours. And Lord Jesus, we just lay them before you and we give them to you again and again and again. And we say, God, they are yours. And we pray for their salvation. But Lord Jesus, be with us as we're raising these younger kids that they would be able to say that they walked with you every day of their life. Lord Jesus, we stand before you in our parenting. Lord Jesus, we stand before you in our temptations. And we say, Lord Jesus, we want to follow you. We want to obey you. We don't want to self-soothe in a thousand different ways that will only destroy us. Lord Jesus, it's been a hard year for many. For some people, it's been emotionally hard, physically hard, mentally hard. And Lord Jesus, I just pray that you would bring peace to hearts. Lord Jesus, I pray for the places that you have had victory in our emotions and our mental health and our physical health over this last year. Lord Jesus, be with us in those places where we feel disappointed, where we feel betrayed, abandoned, or fearful. Be with us in our conflicts, Lord Jesus. We stand before you and we say, Jesus, I don't know how to solve this conflict, but you do. And I ask you just to be there in the midst of it. Lord Jesus, be with us in employment. Thank you so much for the jobs this last year. Thank you so much for how you blessed us and be with us in the new year. I pray, Lord Jesus, a blessing over each family here that they would have employment, that they would be able to provide for their families in the way that you see fit. And Lord Jesus, help us not to be afraid. Even though we may have those partners of sorrow and suffering, help us not to be afraid, but to trust in you, Lord Jesus, that you are a God, that when we come before you and we stand in obedience before our King and our God, that your heart softens to us and you bless us abundantly. Thank you, Jesus, so much that you are a good God. You see us, you love us. I pray a blessing on each person that is here, each person that is online, that they would see and know you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today, you may be seated.